0: Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast Scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at northeastscene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. To not know your place in this world, to not know why you're here,
1: that's its just an awful feeling.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith and Tommy and we're back and tonight we have a very special guest on the show. Someone we've been trying to get on the show pretty much since the in- the inception of the show Tommy. Yeah for sure. A very special guest Bucks County legend Doug Sabolik of Ecstatic Vision and of course he was in A Life Once Lost before that. He's got some other things going on. He's had a rich and storied musical career. He's had a very interesting life. He's got a very interesting setup in Philadelphia that we just saw recently. And we're going to cover it all. And I'm very excited, Tommy.
1: I'm excited too, because uh, actually, we were talking about this before the show. I forget how I met Doug. I feel like it was through skateboarding, but it might have been through skateboarding and music. I want to hear what Doug's version of it is. I just remember rolling up to his house and we were like, let's go skate. And he was like, yeah, uh, hold on a second. His dad was like, no, nope, we're mixing concrete. Hold on a sec. We're going to de- mix up this concrete real fast. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're mixing concrete. Sounds, sounds like a plan. And then we'll go skate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I met him at the, f- the first time I saw Life Once Lost. I met him. It was at the fateful Doug Stock show that got shut down. And then he kicked everybody out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably talk about that and all kinds of other stuff. So what's going on? Now, Tommy furnace fest is coming up tommy can you believe that the person i was going to go with bailed out today a week from the fest now i don't want to reveal who because it is a friend of ours but i have to say i'm very disappointed and yeah man i've never been on a vacation by myself like this i i have to say if vadim wasn't going i don't think i'd go because i don't i don't know anybody down there
1: i i actually remember i texted you this earlier today i was like I've never been anywhere like on a vacation or anything like like by myself. Yeah. It would just be a, it, I, I think part of it would be cool because it's an entirely new experience for me. Cause it would be like, I'm used to like watching three kids and my wife and I talk and like to be alone and somewhere new would be two very new experiences <laughs> all at the same time. I don't know if it would be overwhelming and I'd be like, not know what to do with myself or, Would I be like so ecstatic about it that I would be like, oh, this is great. I can't like, and I would be like, you know, like almost like that kind of manic, like I can't wait to do everything. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know how I'd feel until I got there, but.
0: Well, I can tell you for sure. I'm not going to feel manic. (laughs) (laughs) I I I just know that, but. I mean, there's a lot of great bands playing. I imagine I can meet a few of the people we've spoken to on this podcast. Vadim will be there. And if, not worse, if worse comes to worse, I can just stand there and watch a band.
1: Yeah, I mean, literally every band we love is playing. Like, the the stuff we grew up loving, they're, they're all there. So, I mean, I think there's part of it is it's an experience. And at the same time, I'm really glad to hear you're flying there and not driving. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. That's why I'm not too mad.
0: Because now instead of being in a car driving for however long it takes to drive from the northeast to Birmingham, I can just fly.
1: Yeah, that made me like when you were like, we're going to drive. I was like, oh, you sure?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I it it didn't sound it didn't sound too appealing, but I'm sure it would have been fun in its own way. Oh, yeah. But I see this as a trade off. I have to go by myself now. So now I'm wondering, like, did this person ever even buy a ticket? Like, what's going on? I, I'm, you know, my mind is going 100 miles per hour. Oh. But the trade off is I get to fly now, and that's a lot easier. And it, I don't know, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. What do you, do you like flying? No. I got to fly tomorrow. I have to get up at four in the morning tomorrow, Tommy, to fly to Boston. Can't you just take the train? Isn't there like an Acela line you can take? <laughs> the train, Amtrak is like four hours. Oh, Jesus. To Boston. Yeah, something like that. Three or four hours. A flight is only an hour. It's like under an hour and a
1: half, I think. Yeah, that's a really short flight. Fuck.
0: Yes, I'm going to be there for work. I will be in, at the home of Converge and cave in and Vane and Killswitch Engage and Jesuit. And maybe I'll run into all of them and I can ask them to come on the show <laughs> together.
1: Or you could be like, hey, you guys want to go meet me at Furnace Fest? <laughs> <laughs>
0: They'll be like, no.
1: No. But yeah how have you been besides uh, <laughs> besides that devastating news
0: <laughs> well how have i been it's been a it's been a stressful couple weeks but i i as i alluded to in the last episode i've made some life decisions and a couple minor changes and talked to some people and i have re-stabilized tommy not that anything was really wrong, I, you know. It was just stressful. Like I ran into some people I didn't want to run into, and that caused some problems. It made me feel bad, and but I, I have rearranged things so that I will not run into these people anymore, and that's going to solve everything.
1: We had a nice conversation after last week's show about how mature yeah. about how mature you've been about this, and how proud I was. Like it was a very. Um, it's not, I, I still like, I, I really cherish the friendship we have because we do get to talk about things that are really bothering us yes. and some of it makes the show, some of it doesn't. But uh, yeah, that was one of those times where I'm like, I, I literally turned off my computer and I said out loud, I'm so glad I'm friends with Keith. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> so
1: glad we get to have those conversations, man.
0: Yeah, we we shut off the mic and I told you everything that was going on. And folks, I'm sorry if it's annoying if we're being... Uh elusive when when it when it involves the personal business of other people i don't like to reveal everything but there's just a there's some people that i don't want to run into and i i had to rearrange a couple things to make sure i don't run into them anymore and i've done that and everything's going to be cool i'm stressed out because there's a lot going on work is really busy podcast is really busy furnace fest next week oh and there's been so much socialization lately I have a a volunteer thing I'm doing every other Friday night, and it's like hosting a show, so it's almost like another podcast, you know what I mean? So there's that. There's another one Saturday I might be getting involved with. There's a lot of dinners with friends and hanging out, and I'm not used to it, Tommy. I'm not used to it, but and it's stressful because like I'm out, and I don't know, I, I just get anxious, but it's good. It's good. It's good to be out and about and so busy that you're just tired all the time. That's a good thing.
1: I actually was going to say, I I love, like, this weekend, it was just, everything was just, not rushed, but there was a lot to get done. And I got in bed on uh, Friday night after doing the, I do the grocery shopping Friday nights most times. Um, So I came home, the girls were just finishing up watching TV at, like, 9.15, got them upstairs, got them to bed. Saturday was just nonstop, Costco transferring the title on my car uh <laughs> all kinds of errands to run lawn to get mowed weed whacking to do weeds to pick playing with the girls sidewalk chalk you name it we were doing it riding bikes went for the, went to the park everything i got in bed saturday night and i felt like i had the flu i was so you know that like overwhelming tired that you get when you're sick where you can yes. hardly keep your eyes open Yes, it was like that. But it was from doing it was just from being awake. I'd gone to the skate park Saturday morning at. I got up like six thirty or six and I got to the skate park at like six thirty when sunrise was there. It was just it was fucking nonstop. And it was like the best feeling in the world. (laughs) <laughs> like I used to think of, I thought about like when I, when I used to get in bed and I'd be like, God, I need a drink. I'm not even tired. And I would go downstairs and like make myself like a vodka tonic. And I'm like, you know, what's even better than that? Actually being real tired, like really tired, but from doing and accomplishing things that made me feel infinitely better than any amount of alcohol ever has.
0: Yeah. When I get to that point, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't go outside anymore. I can't live anymore. I just don't have the energy. I'm not going to make it. And then I sleep and I'm like, all right, I'll do it again.
1: (laughs) It's the internal conversation you have with yourself all the time of like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, It has to get done. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Like it's You just constantly go through those motions of like, God, I don't want to do this and it it you know that stress mounts and then finally it it comes to this crescendo and you're like, "All right, that actually wasn't as bad. I can do that again." And then you go through the same process every time you encounter that.
0: You just summed up us recording the podcast every week. <laughs> every week I'm like, "I can't do it. I can't edit it. There's no time. I can't." And then I just do it and then we do it again and again and again. Yeah.
1: It's it's a phenomenal feeling. I I really I uh I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I, I was going to try to make something up and then. I, <laughs> I love it. I I see the I see
0: the thought process in real time. You're like, "I I'm like he's got nothing. Is yeah. he going to run with it or no. is he just going to admit he's got nothing?"
1: That was an immediate car crash. Like that was just like, "Nope, <laughs> not happening."
0: <laughs> well, I have something for you guys next and you're really going to like it. Now we're going to talk to Doug Sablic of Ecstatic Vision. Enjoy. All right, folks, we're here now with Doug Sabalik. Doug, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm excellent. And (laughs) it's great to have you here, Doug. You know, we've been trying to get you on this show for over a year now. There's been back and forth conversations with managers, (laughs) agents, (laughs) phone calls, uh, sit-down dinners, negotiations, but we finally got you here, and we're very excited to talk to you tonight.
2: It's court-ordered, so, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll take it. So how are you doing today?
2: I am well today. Everything is
0: great. Are you at a Casa de Doug in Philly?
2: Yes, I am. I'm in my palace.
0: Now, Tommy and I were extremely impressed when we saw your house. It's just like, it's the best setup. It's isolated from other houses. You got everything custom-made in there. It was... Uh, I was Tommy and I were driving back, and I was like, "Yo, should I move back to Philly? Like, <laughs> I could, I could potentially buy property. I can't do it here in New York City."
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's affordable if you got the kahunas to get the the people out before you, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now you have to tell some of that story because oh uh, the incredible story of you acquiring the house and kicking out the squatters who lived in it was a uh, it was great. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I got a really good deal on the house, and there's no neighbors, and I was feeling the vibe around the town. And, uh, yeah, there was, like, meth dealers living in the place, so it was just, like, it was on me to get them out if I wanted to buy it. So it was, like, some intimidation, some money, some, harass- <laughs> some harassment, and then uh, voila, you know.
0: Were they resistant to get out of the house? How, how far did you have to push it?
2: Well, I mean— I didn't really get too crazy. I mean, the craziest I got is maybe just kind of preparing for something bad to happen and then running over a bunch of his stuff in (laughs) (laughs) the—I threw a bunch of his stuff in the street and ran it over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How did he react to this?
2: He wasn't happy about that. We, We weren't friends after that, but we were kind of buddies up until that point.
0: So how did you finally get them out of the house so that you could begin making it your own? Um well, I filed some court
2: paperwork, and then I paid him some money, basically. is the end result, you know.
1: Can we set the scene of what Doug's house looks like, and I'm gonna use my mother's description when I showed my mom some of the pictures from the interior of the house. My mom looks it goes, it looks like a really nice antique caboose from an old train <laughs> like it's it's really like narrow but it's like ornate woodwork all over the place the floors are gorgeous you have everything a uh, kind of of that uh late 60s early 70s uh like hit your refrigerators are old philco refrigerator like it it's it's fucking wild dude you did such an amazing job on it like it it really like when i walked in i was just like this is Doug like Uh everything about it screamed you it was fucking on point
2: well thank you shit i mean uh, i i was working with uh chicken so i mean he's the one that had the uh you know the ideas for everything so i was doing the grunt work but um yeah we made it happen so it's cool i wanted a pimp palace and that's what i got
0: oh yeah 100 percent success there it's great well doug let's take it back a bit let's get to know you tell us about where you grew up
2: This is why I really didn't want to do this podcast, but... Um,
0: I know. <laughs> That's why we're going through it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we're, I know, We're going to hit all the points.
2: I just love you guys so much. So, uh, um, Yeah, I grew up in Treva's, man.
0: That's the real deal.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was an old um, chicken coop that my dad turned into a house. You know, that was the deal. moved around. My dad had this thing where he, we would move a, a mile away from our old house. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> he'd like find a house find a house with more sunlight so we would like be like we're moving i'm like all right (laughs) so we did that like three times and then eventually you know i was in college at that point so i
1: i left (laughs)
0: tommy don't you live like across the street from where one of doug's houses were
1: i can see doug's backyard from my back porch
2: yeah i was happy to hear when you you ended up living on that block because it was pretty cool you
1: know it, like the parks there, basketball courts, fucking big soccer fields. It, it's it's a nice place, man. It's, I fucking love raising my kids here.
2: It's a bougie spot for you to have your family, bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Doug, are the legends true? Did your dad like pretty much build these houses by hand?
2: Well, the first one, yeah, he built. And then he just kind of like, the one near Tommy's house was kind of funny because he built this giant deck. And then he, he uh, proceeded to plant like I don't know, like a hundred trees in the front lawn oh, Yeah, <laughs> because he didn't really like people like being able to see him when he's like hanging out and his like Daisy Dukes on the, <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> this is my first memory of coming to hang out with you is I rolled up to the house, the one on Heights lane, right? Yep. yep. And we were, we were going to go skate and your dad was cooking bacon and he, he was like, Hey, you want some bacon and eggs? I was like, sure. Maybe breakfast. And we were like, all right, we're going to head out. And your dad was like, no, we tomatoes, we, right? No, with tomatoes and then fucking <laughs> we had to mix. We had to mix a bat We had to mix like four bags of quickcrete because he was redoing one of the front steps and then one of the uh block, like the, the parking blocks out front.
2: Oh, shit, I don't remember that, but I I remember tomatoes being a thing. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> tomatoes. What? Where? He, was he growing them or something?
2: Yeah, he would grow them, and then it would just be like some buddies would come over and be like, "We're gonna eat tomato sandwiches," you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Doug, tell us about how you got into music. What was your first love? You know, what got you into guitar? Set the stage for us.
2: My dad was a one-man band. That was his career, so I was always around it and uh I think guitar for me was the anti-music thing for me because I never like officially got trained on the guitar, you know, whereas other instruments I was like taking lessons or whatever, you know.
0: What other instruments were you taking lessons with? Cello
2: and trumpet. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, and then I, I changed high schools, and I realized that being in the band was kind of nerdy, and I was dumb.
0: <laughs> so, how did you learn how to play guitar?
2: I just picked it up and just tried my best, really.
0: Same here. I figure out basic tabs, and I just ran with it.
2: I mean, I'm still trying now, you know. I mean, compared to like people who have a natural ability, I'm always like kind of a little stiff, but I put a lot of work in, so it kind of works out in the
0: end, you know. Tell us about getting into extreme music. I always knew you as like a metalhead. Was it was it metal first?
2: Yeah, it was like Black Sabbath and Slayer, you know? And then, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I always liked shit that other people didn't really like at the time. And even, even now, it's like, the stuff that I'm into, other people aren't. So it kind of leads to a life of musical obscurity, as far as if you're trying to, uh, you know, play music for a living or, you know, as a really strong hobby. But, uh, yeah, so the heavy shit, you know, it just kind of like spoke to me. I was like, you know, if you're out there like breaking stuff, vandalizing or stealing shit, I mean, heavy music kind of just lends to that, you know, kind of gets your adrenaline going.
0: <laughs> 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 so were you out there breaking shit, vandalizing and stealing?
1: Well, everyone was, yeah
2: i'm not blowing it up like i'm some god but no no i was everyone was doing it
1: do you remember before you went on tour you guys didn't have a spare for the van so we went into that industrial park and <laughs> stole that spare off a van that looked kind of like yours <laughs> they had yep. like you know like the one of the uh like the, yeah, spares in that, the back yeah the back. yeah yeah and i remember you guys <laughs> went on tour and then I came home one day from I, I think I was in I think I was in high school. I came home and my mom was like, "There's a bunch of messages on the answering machine for you." And I'm like, <laughs> "What happened?" And she's like, "Just listen to them." It was like Vadim and then you and then I think maybe Bob calling me, being like, "Yo, we're stuck in Rochester, bro." the fucking wheel fell off the van. (laughs) I was like, yeah. "Uh, (laughs) Well, I don't think I can come and get you. (laughs) I don't even remember how you guys got home, but I remember.
2: (laughs) I think it was like, maybe the girlfriend of Vadim at the time gave us a ride. And I was like, remember, I was like, my legs were in the trunk, but I was like laying down. So my legs were in the trunk and I was in the like backseat area. Backseat,
1: like laying, yeah.
2: Yeah. Shit. I mean, whatever, that was good times, you know.
0: That's just run to the mill when you're young and touring like that.
2: It was a good time. It was a good story, you know.
0: Wasn't it the wrong size wheel on the van?
2: Well, I don't remember now. I mean, I don't know. I just remember we were driving down the street and, and <laughs> we're on the highway, and then the wheel like <laughs> rolls like, by. Yes, you. <laughs> it was crazy, man.
0: What happens? Like, does does the van like topple to one side, and you see you hear grinding or something? Like, what?
2: You know, I think that happened to us twice like wow like, <laughs> yeah like which is crazy because usually you know that happens once and you flip the band but yeah i think like twice that happened where the wheel fell off the band but um it's always been the back wheel so we always kind of like cheated the system you know
0: so doug tell us about discovering the hardcore scene what were some of the <laughs> initial shows and the initial bands that first drew you in
2: like creationist crucifixion that was the shit back in the day you know fuck yeah yes and that's a band that i you know like i when I moved, my mom was like, "Hey, you have to get all your stuff out of our old house." I'm like, I went up there, and I think Tommy, I gave you some of that stuff, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I had all these like you know CDs from when I was like 20, and like I still put that Creationist Crucifixion album in. I was like, it's still good, you know. So, not to say I don't really listen to heavy music that much, but it's got to be good, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of it doesn't hold up, some of it does. That Creation album, if we're talking about Automata, those songs are just classic, timeless.
2: Yeah, it's a band that never got its due, you
0: know. So Creation is Crucifixion. What (laughs) else?
2: (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, I remember you being really big into Candiria. Yeah, I liked them. They were, yeah, they were good. I mean, I like the albums. I think, like, yeah, like A Life Once Lost, we took some kind of ideas from them and, uh, and I don't know. I think I remember like it was all phases of everything, you know, it was like at one point you're like into like Slayer and all this shit. And then you get into like hardcore. And you're like, oh, that stuff's not cool. And then you realize like, well, actually it is cool, you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's actually good. But there was a, uh, it's hard to even remember that long ago as far as what I was into, but I know it was always like pretty extreme, you know, discord Axis, yeah. I remember I liked them a lot.
0: Oh Yeah. <laughs> yeah the the tides shift when you're young a lot it's weird it's like one minute it's like we're into this and then it's like no we don't listen to that anymore we're onto this and then it's just like back and forth back and forth
2: yeah you just kind of like find out who you who you are you know i mean back back then it was like the music that you liked kind of like was who you were even though now it really isn't like that but it was like oh i'm you know i look like spock and i listen to these bands you know
0: Yeah, there was like the hardcore kids, there was like the grindy Spock kids, there was was all these different factions.
1: I don't think any of us ever really fit into one neat spot. (laughs) That was the thing, is like, we just, we would all kind of just fucking hang like I, I don't ever remember anybody being like oh yeah that's like a fucking orchid that dude's into orchid or like that Like i remember seeing people at shows being like that dude's a fucking dork like that's like <laughs> like that's, like why would you fucking dress like your pants are too tight bro what are you doing like but i that's also, a bit
2: judgmental but <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's it i i feel like everything like especially back then that was kind of like that was what we did. Like we teased each other about what well, like, you know, Oh, you listen to this or you wear stuff like that and give each other a hard time about shit. Like, I don't think like I hear my kids at school, like, like fucking talking about, like talking shit about like uh, their football teams that play each other and stuff like that. And I, I kind of like step away from it. Like good for them. Like still people giving each, like friends giving each other shit about stuff. That <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> we were ruthless, man. I remember when I would bring people over to Mike Shaw's house, And, folks, you've heard us talk about Mike Shaw's house. It was, like, the center for all of the music people hanging out. When I would bring people over there that were outside of that kind of micro scene, they hated it. Like, they were like, I don't know, it was just, like, too insulated or something. People felt very on the outside. And on top of that, I I don't know, I used to be vicious, like, how I made fun of people and different things. It was, I guess you do that when you're young, though.
1: It was cruel, man. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember wearing certain things and somebody would make a really good joke about something. And then I would be like, Well, I can never wear that again. Like <laughs> I, I came I remember I came to a show and I was wearing like a leather gauntlet on my arm. And it wasn't oh like big, but it was like, you know, the size of like a like a wristwatch, right? And it was like kinda wide. And I remember McGonagall was like the fuck are you like a falconer now what the fuck is that leather on your arm for and i was like all right well i can never wear that again great <laughs> that was that was 30 i wasted
2: <laughs> well i'm sorry uh, that happened to you man <laughs>
1: <laughs> no you're not
0: <laughs> tommy i think you should try to bring it back oh bring no it back bro try it out again dude come on
1: yeah i know <laughs> i'm never i'm never, like i i don't even think i could put it on. i don't i don't have it first of all but if i put it on I instant like chills of like, ugh, who you are at a, at your core is a terrible idiot. Like you, you're just an like you let people decide what you think is cool based on like them making a well placed joke. I'm thinking
0: of uh, introducing a little jewelry into my look, some accessories. What do you <laughs> think of like a couple rings or something? Yeah, you to pull go, that off.
2: I think you could do like a uh, like a mid level hanging uh, necklace because I've seen you recently. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, if I had like a thumb ring and a pinky ring and then like one of those necklaces, I think it I think it would really top off the look.
2: If you add a hanging uh earring from one of your ears, I think you would look pretty hip too.
0: That's that's a bold move. I'm going to have to sleep on that one.
1: Dog, you got that style. Like you have the uh the eye for that. What should I add to my uh kind of like <laughs> <laughs> What should I wear in terms of accessories? All right. Well, first of
2: all, you should stop doing so many push-ups so your chest doesn't <laughs> stand out that, that big. And then uh, lose the baseball cap.
1: Hey, I'm bold.
2: <laughs> I think you could wear like tight-fitting polo shirts, you know, like and have like that kind of like that, like that look,
1: that Fred Perry kind of look, like that kind. Yeah, of I think thing. you could do well with that. All right,
2: you got a good body, man. You know, show it off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, folks, we were we were all hanging out in Philadelphia recently, and everyone was marveling at how big Tommy's arms are. And and we're like, we're like, what do you do? He's like push-ups. I'm like, bro, I do push-ups every day. I don't look don't like lie. even a tenth as close as to what you are.
2: <laughs> I well, that's years of
1: yeah. Do you is- do
0: 500 push-ups a day, Tommy?
1: No. <laughs> I, I, I only do pushups, uh, three days a week. And when I do them, I, I do, I, I literally set the timer on my phone for 20 minutes and I do as many as I can in 20 minutes.
0: You can keep doing them for 20 minutes. No, no,
1: no, no. Like I'll do as many as I can and then take a breather until I, I can, I know I can do more like yeah. maybe uh, a minute, minute and a half. And then I'll do as many as I can. And I do that till literally when my, I do my last push up of my last set, I can't push up anymore. Yeah, like, that's it's what just, I do. It's, everything's gone. Like there's no, there's no strength left. Doug, do you do any push-ups? A little bit, yeah. You look pretty fit. What do you do, Doug? What's what's your regimen?
2: Well, we built the house, so it kind of got me in shape.
0: Ah, nice. Yeah. Do you watch what you eat? Do you do you have a strict diet or anything like that?
2: Well, I got a really hot girlfriend. I'm just trying to look good for her, you know. There you Yeah.
0: Go. <laughs> I want to know your secrets, Doug, because you have a good look.
2: Well, thank you. I I don't know. It must be somewhat natural.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) You've got that natural swagger. So, Doug, was A Life Once Lost the first band that you played in?
2: First real band, yeah, yeah. I had a a previous band called uh, (laughs) Crucifixion. Crucifixion. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we played one or two shows. What was that band like? Oh, man, I don't even know. Um, They were really into Black Sabbath, and I was like trying to get them to go a little bit heavier. But it wasn't good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about the beginning of a life once lost. How did it all come together? How did you get involved? I
2: think uh, through Vadim because he was like we met through skateboarding. I think I I moved, you know, the mile away thing, and then uh, I had to change uh, schools. And yeah, we worked at Taco Bell together, and we would just kind of skateboard. And yeah, he was starting a band, so yeah, I just kind of like. We'll see him what's up, you know.
0: So you guys actually met at that Taco Bell?
2: You know, I don't know where we met. It was so long ago, but we worked together there. Like, I think he might have gotten me the job, though. So we must have already known each other.
0: Okay. Because I remember that. That that place was legendary <laughs> because you guys worked there.
2: Yeah, there was some hell-raising going on, you know.
1: Oh, big time. Nothing is better than the Pizza Hut that you guys worked at over by the Kmart.
2: Now <laughs> <laughs> we're getting into my whole job history, man, guys. Yo.
1: I, I just remember I walked into Pizza Hut one night and Jay was there and he was like, gotta go. And I was like, why? And, you're, <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever. And I walked out and I remember seeing, I think I saw you the next day and you were like, you know, shot a gun off of Pizza Hut <laughs> over behind Pizza Hut. A I bunch don't of know pizza if it
2: was him, but yeah, they were shooting guns in there. <laughs> <laughs> they would line up like all the uh, unfolded pizza boxes, you know, against the wall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and see how many would go through.
2: <laughs> they would shoot the gun in there, and yeah, like you know, we get to the point where they knew, and then like for like weeks we'd be serving pizzas with like it didn't look like a gunshot; it was more of a tear, yeah,
1: you know. But
0: <laughs> it's like Stand By Me, but in real
1: life. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I remember I went in one day, and there was a just a rec- like because it was takeout only. And when I went in a lot, Doug was, uh, driving delivery and Jay was uh, like, I guess running it kind of like he was like the manager, I guess. Yeah, yeah, And, uh, I remember I went in and it, like walked behind the counter and you were making a pizza. You were using that big, like, uh, that U shaped pizza cutter thing to like cut up a pizza. And I was like, what's up? And you're like, yo, everybody's in back. And I walked in back and literally Jay is sitting on a recliner, like a fucking lazy boy, <laughs> just, just smoking a bowl. <laughs> I was like, hilarious. I was like, there's fucking customers coming in and shit? Like,
2: what the fuck? I think I worked at like three or four different ones. Like, I'd come in, and then they'd be shut down within like six months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we're in a life once lost. We're writing music. We're playing, right? What are some of your influences at that time? What are you trying to replicate? What are you trying to accomplish?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I think that was like when uh, there was like some cool metal or hardcore going on in Europe and then there was like the band like undying was an influence early on and also like creation so we were just kind of melding that i think
0: it was a unique sound because most of the bands going around at that time were more on the metallic hardcore side and a life once lost was more on the metal side and i remember vadim used to get upset we'd be like that you're a metal band and he'd be like no we're not no we're not <laughs> I and mean, it was kind of funny yeah. in retrospect but I thought it, it was really interesting. There was more metal elements. That you had some like finger tapping in those early songs. I liked. I really liked what was mm. going on. It was different from uh, the other stuff that was happening.
2: Yeah, it didn't really stand the
1: test of time. But I mean, you know, at the time, yeah, it was cool. It, so I I just remember like the the mentality Doug always had with music was like things were cool until they weren't. And I remember he was just like he got so sick of their like the. The song that everybody wanted to hear, which was just before his crucifixion, <laughs> and he, I remember like coming out one night. I, you guys had played at Palanca, I think, and you were just like, "That's the last time we're fucking playing that song." Like, I'm fucking Ugh. over it. I was like, "Yo, really? Everybody loves that song." And you're like, that. "I fucking hate it." <laughs> That's why I'm so obscure now. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: it's,
1: it's always been that same trajectory, though. Of like, yeah, you, yeah, you're I like, know. people like it, and you're like, "Fuck that shit."
2: <laughs> I've always been in. I mean. Not that I consider that good, you know, but I just mean like I've always been like, oh, I'm into this now and I'm going to try and kind of experiment with whatever that is. And then once I've kind of done what I feel like I can do, I just kind of move on. And then, you know, I mean, it's good in a way as far as like life and shit.
0: Yeah. Is is it a natural inclination? You know, what you feel you've accomplished something and it's time to move on to the next. Or if a bunch of people are latching on to something, do you naturally think like, oh, it's time to meet it's time for me to get away from this and get on to something else.
2: I wish I could like stick with it longer. Yeah. You know, cause like, you know, maybe it would be like, be more successful or something, but I don't know. I like, like for the past, like 10 years, I just had a job, you know? So I'm like, okay, I can make my money and the music for me can always be about pure, just what I want to do at the time. And that's why I've been able to kind of recreate, you know, as I go. And like, sometimes it's been, you know, good or sometimes, whatever it's been okay but uh you know that's what it's more been about for me so it's not about like oh it's like when i dj you know i play like i've been playing like afro funk for 10 years in philly and uh no one really was like on my kind of wavelength you know as far as like being like oh man i really like i'm into that too and i'm like no i just kind of dj and it would be whoever comes in and out you know and now it's like oh man this stuff's so cool i'm like yeah i know i know it's cool (laughs) i'm still on that you know i'm not a hater about it so
0: i respect that because for too long i kind of shaped what i did around maybe what i thought would be acceptable to other people or if if i was into something i thought was not quote unquote cool maybe i kept that a little more hidden but as i get into my older age i'm like this is what i like and fuck you you're you're with me on the ride or not
2: yeah i mean you don't want to do it for other people yeah. I've never, you know, it's always been about what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, if there's one person I can say that it's just always about what you wanted to do and not worrying about anybody else, it's it's definitely you, Doug.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. That's nice of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I have done stuff like the last the Life Once the Lost album. You know, I was like left, you know, everyone left the band after we signed a deal. So I would say at the time, maybe that's not necessarily what I wanted to do. I was already kind of launching another band at the time. But uh, I did that because I'm a loyal friend.
0: Yeah, so you have a deal with Season of Mist, and everybody has left the band except for you and Bob, right?
2: Yeah, on that record, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, I lived with you at the time that record was being written. I remember hearing that whole thing come together, from you playing demos in your bedroom, to seeing that residency at Kung Fu Necktie, where you played all those songs for the first time. And I have to say, it was pretty incredible to witness that whole thing.
2: Well, thank you, buddy. (laughs) Yes, I mean, I don't know. That's just what hard work does, you know. I don't think it was great or good or whatever. At this point, I don't really have any kind of feelings toward, towards it as far as like, uh, you know, I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I think it was fine. That's just what you do. I mean, if you want to make a, an album, there's a lot of work involved, you know.
0: Tell us a little bit about that time. Were you nervous? Did you think, oh, shit, I can't do this without a band? Cause, I mean, was that the first time you wrote a whole record by yourself?
2: I was always writing a lot. For the band, and also I was like a big like kind of like vibe idea man um but I mean like Bob carpenter was like a machine playing the guitar, you know, so I was kind of relied on this guy who could play everything like really clean, but so that you know once he quit that was like the hardest blow because like we were already gonna kind of do trying to do this kind of industrial sounding album, so the drums weren't really a problem, and that's kind of part of the reason the drummer probably quit, I don't know but um. But uh yeah like do, doing one without Bob was definitely hard. So it took took a while, you know.
0: So you don't have any feeling looking back on the legacy of that album? I don't really have any uh no,
2: I mean, it's just something I did at the time.
0: Were you happy with the way that it ultimately came out?
2: I think, you know, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I, at the time I was definitely happy with it. I mean, obviously you would go back and like you could nitpick and be like, "Well, if I had more time," which yeah, I was kind of under the gun. So I made that album, you know, as fast as I could. And maybe if I had another couple more months to listen back, I would have maybe changed some shit. But you know, it is what it is. You know, like the la- the label really, really loved the album. You know, and that was like the guy who discovered Mayhem. You know, I mean, like he really, really liked the album. So we're we're still friends, and you know, it's it's fine.
0: Well, Doug, from an outsider perspective, I can tell you that that's one of the albums that I go back to. When I listen to the band, so I like it, and I want you to know that.
2: Well, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you ever go back and listen to that band? Do you have any kind of connection to it still?
2: Uh, not really. no. I, I never even think about it. I don't even really talk. I mean, I would. I'm going to talk to you guys about it because you know I care about you.
1: Yes, and we uh, appreciate
2: that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like I don't know. It's not some. I'm always thinking about the future, man. You know, like. Like next year, I have so many tours lined up and I have like a lot of shit going on. And I'm like, I'm just trying to juggle my life, even to be able to like pull everything off. Like, I don't have time to worry about the past.
0: I would say the whole time I've known you, Doug, there's always a lot of progression, whether it be in the sound of a life once lost or whether it be with music that you're into and all that kind of thing. There was always a forward momentum of you figuring out who you are. So, I don't even think of you in terms of a life once lost anymore. Like it, it almost seems like not real at this point, <laughs> you know it's what i It's
2: kind of like a past life. It's like 20 years ago, you know?
0: So.
1: Yeah. I do feel like that's a different person. Like sitting with you on your back porch last month, I remember being like, this isn't, you're a, c- a completely different entity.
2: Oh shit. Well, I mean, that could be good or bad, you know? No, but- it's, uh, <laughs> in
1: a, I mean that in the most positive way possible. It's like, I like the way you were saying, like you are always forward thinking, like, you're also when you're forward thinking, you're also kind of just getting rid of the things that don't mean anything to you anymore. And a lot of people carry that stuff with them and let them let their lives present day be defined by things they did 20 years ago. Whereas you're like, yeah, that was 20 years ago. Fuck it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I have a, a cold heart about that. I can drop things like that don't mean anything to me, you know, over time because I want to move forward, you know, and I you know, you meet people that are kind of interested in what you are, are doing at the time and then you try and forge new relationships, you know, or new interests and you try and like kind of build something from there, you know.
0: So let's talk about the end of A Life Once Lost and the beginning of Ecstatic Vision. So you have this album on Season of Mist, Ecstatic Trance, you're touring.
2: No, we did a little bit of touring. We weren't like going hard at all, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So take us through your mindset at the time. Did you want to continue the band? Did you think the band would continue for a long time? What was going on?
2: I think one of the problems I've had that's been reoccurring, even though earlier I just said I can drop things out of my life, no problem, I'm also like a really loyal friend. Sometimes I just kind of drag shit on too long, like in other parts of my life and everything. It's just like, I don't know, you're always like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to fuck people over. So you keep doing it. Yeah, I was already, I already had like, half of an album done with ecstatic vision kind of it's like before the last of life once lost album i was already doing another band and then i kind of put that on hold you know what i mean so you know that was kind of a long time coming you know the next band
1: was that that was the band i saw at jay's shop right that was snake sustain was that the same idea
2: yeah which like you know not the same band but same idea yeah and that was like in 2010 I think Ecstatic Trance came out in 2012, so I was kind of already doing other shit. And also, I mean, it's like when you're kind of growing up, you think, oh, I only got time for one band, or I have to be this kind of... But it's like nowadays, I got many different things going on, you know?
0: So ultimately, how did A Life Once Lost come to an end? Was there a conversation? Did you have to get together and just say, this is it? What happened?
2: (laughs) Oh, well. um, Well, also, there was no real interest in the band, so why, you know... Why beat a dead horse? That's number one thing. But also, it's just kind of like you know you've been in bands with people for so long; it becomes more of a interpersonal problem, you know. So it's just kind of like it had enough with that, you know.
0: Do you ever get asked about reunions or anything like that, or is, is, there, is, is there any interest <laughs> I'm from sorry. people? No, I'm sorry. There is
2: no interest.
0: Do fans reach out to you, Doug, and say we need an a life once lost reunion?
2: Well, the one thing is I've always been a ghost on social media. You know, I never had a real profile where anyone ever really knew it was me. I mean, yeah, they could reach out to Ecstatic Vision and you could reach me, but no one even really there's no crossover crowd, you know.
0: Yeah. So, I might be the only one.
2: Yeah, you're just an old friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have kind of any of that, you know. Which proves that it really is not a big deal.
0: So it, it sounds like there's no vested interest in any type of revisiting of that band.
2: Not for me personally, no.
0: So that, I just wanted to clarify that. So folks, <laughs> if you're clamoring for an A Life one's Lost reunion with Doug, it looks like he's busy with other things, which we want to get into now. Now. So you're working on Ecstatic Vision in parallel with the last A Life one's Lost record.
2: Yeah, I started, I made a demo for Ecstatic Vision and, uh... I went on tour with my buddy, uh, author and Punisher, who's like kind of an industrial guy. And I was doing his lights and I was just kind of like passing out the demo on the road. And uh, it must have did something because, you know, like Relapse hit me up and they wanted to put the record out. They wanted to put the demo out, which was pretty crazy, but we did a new record for them.
0: So were you nervous fronting a band? I know this wasn't the first time because you had dipped your toe in the water with Snake Sustain, but... I mean, were you nervous being at the center of this thing now, doing vocals by yourself, being the primary songwriter again? I
2: mean, the, the songwriting wasn't really the issue, but, you know, like singing for a band, I mean, like, you know, first of all, I don't have an angelic voice, you know. So I had, I had to kind of figure out what my thing was, you know. So it's kind of like, you know, when you start a new band and you're trying a new, new thing, you just kind of do what doesn't make anyone cringe. So that was kind of my idea about the vocals on the early shit is like just don't make it, anyone cringe you know so get <laughs> get by on the vocals and then make it about the guitar playing you know
0: yeah and when i think about the essence of you doug i think about everything you're doing now the the more psychedelic rock thing and all that interesting music that you're into like i really love that one song you turned me on to that you covered uh shit it was on the ecstatic vision covers record the troublemaker song
2: Oh, yeah, like some Zamrock.
0: Yeah, all like when I think of you, I think of all that stuff, like A Life Once Lost and all the metal stuff and all that previous stuff, is, like we mentioned, is almost another lifetime that doesn't seem real. Tell us how you got into all that. Like when did you really start to discover and love it and make that your primary thing?
2: Well, primary influence as far as the music I was creating. Um, maybe um, it was like, you know, all the... Detroit rock and stuff like that, you know, that's what Snake Sustain was doing. So, and then uh, getting into the more psychedelic kraut rock and all that, like, we would listen to that stuff in the van, kind of, and I was like, you know, I kind of want to move on and kind of do something that I, I like at this time. And then, uh, I guess that was like two thousand, like ten or 11 or 12, somewhere around there, you know, and they're just kind of running with it. I don't know. You get into something and you just kind of keep digging. There's like some, you know, the old head rock DJs in Philly. The, the guard has kind of changed as far as the DJ scene in Philly, but there is an old guard of rock DJs and, you know, just kind of like going to the bar, drinking, listening to music, and then like befriending those guys. And they kind of just kind of open up your world, you know.
1: Talking about She's, Jackie Bam Bam?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm talking about DJs and No, bars, I
1: know. you're. Man. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Bam Bam. He was, the, <laughs> he was like the like classic rock kind of like yeah, yeah he was like a ysp dude uh i'm pretty sure i prank caught him a bunch you know back
0: in the day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so we've got ecstatic vision going we've got the demo relapse wants to sign us right so tell us about writing that first record now that was an extremely strong debut astro plane i mean come on that is like a <laughs> that is a fucking jam dude
2: Well that was the first track I wrote for the band, so I kinda really took my time on it, you know. It's all about timing really. The problem like now is like it's such a rat race with music. In order to kind of stay relevant, I mean you put out an album and people might hear about it for like a month and then it's gone. It's like, you know, all these bands have this kind of build up, like, oh, once the album drops, it's like, dude, once the album drops, it's gone. The blip in the radar is passed. So time to go for the new thing because you're not gonna blow up, you know. Or you do, I don't know. It's never been my experience, you know. But uh I had more time to make that album and then every other one since. It's just kinda like I had a really busy five years like after that album as far as like going on tour, coming home, making a record nonstop for like probably three and a half years, you know. And then uh or maybe five years, I don't know. But you know, then the pandemic happened and I'm like, oh, it's nice to have a little downtime, like to figure out who I am.
0: Did you figure out who you are?
2: I think I figured out who I am. And I'm like, I love playing music, and I love doing that, but, I mean, there's many things out there that are pleasurable, you know?
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. I know all about it.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, I'm going to be busier than ever next year on the road, you know, making up for lost time. But on the other hand, like, I enjoy my life at home, too. So it's all about trying to find a balance for whatever you want to make your life.
0: The thing I love about Ecstatic Vision, you know, whether there's – 100 people in the crowd or 500 you know you just really seem to connect with people like there's always this group of people at the show who are just seriously vibing and they're like this is the best thing i've ever seen and i i always love to see that do you feel that when you're performing well i think
2: our band shreds live you know yes and and we do look like i love those guys man you know like i i have like so much love for them and just kind of like getting in the same room with them it just makes me happy you know so once you have that kind of connection with your bandmates and it's fun to do and yeah like we put a lot of work into the albums and we we bring it live and yeah we get that all the time like oh why aren't you guys more popular i'm like i don't know but i'm not gonna worry about i'm not gonna worry about it you know i mean i i guess maybe because we're not like socially on social media like super active like i don't have that in me you know i just want to make good music you know
0: you're just doing what you do and whatever the result is that's it
2: exactly and that's cool
0: you seem to be involved in a lot of interesting things with this band. i see a lot of overseas tours i see a lot of shows on beaches and all kinds of wild stuff going on it seems like a lot of fun
2: well yeah i mean that's the thing ecstatic vision when we go to europe we have a lot of fun man like because like yeah, you know, it's like we're the kind of band where it's like yeah they put us on top of a mountain in the alps and we play you know and yeah there might there might only be 150 people there or maybe 50 people or even less sometimes you know but like we're playing these epic we have these fans or people involved that like want to put us in this really epic place to play you know like like last time we were in mexico the guy down there is like oh i have this like what do you call it, like a pyramid I want you guys to play on top of? them. like, I'm down, man. Just fly us down, we'll play on top of a pyramid, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And I think Ecstatic Vision is the perfect type of band for that show, because if it was like a hardcore band or an emo band, now, granted, I like those bands, and that's fine. I don't know, it wouldn't be the same to see like an emo band on top of a mountain.
1: It's
2: not as epic, you know,
1: but... No, it's like, I always remind when I see bands like that playing in like those kind of places, it always reminds me, uh, do you ever see that old Pink Floyd live in Pompeii? (laughs) Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Like there's a fucking gong in the background, ruins all around. Like that always kind of makes me think like, that's what that's fucking like, dude. It's fucking, it's an epic band playing insanely like music that people vibe with in a fucking amazing location.
2: Yeah. It's good when you're on drugs, you know, you want (laughs) to go to this cool place and whatever, but Yeah, that's another cool thing is like, you know, we did okay in Europe. So every year we go back and it's fun to tour in Europe because, you know, all the beer is there and uh, you get put up. You don't have to worry about where you're sleeping at night. And it's an adventure.
0: You get put up like the promoters will get you a hotel.
2: Yeah. It's like it's it's part of the deal, man. You know, there's no like wondering about what you're going to do.
0: So I guess touring in Europe is better than touring here in America. For me personally. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the consensus. Everyone says it, know. Yeah. You ever get into any good trouble over there? Like any any you got any good stories for us about uh fights or drug deals or anything like that?
2: <laughs> Usually I can't remember, you know. <laughs> <laughs> man, I I know the first time we toured Europe, I had broken my hand like a month before like getting kicking this guy out of the bar and uh so I had a broken hand and I was like, "Oh man, like it really hurts to play guitar." but I'm not going to cancel, you know? Yeah. So we go there and it was like, you know, three weeks in my hands feeling a little better, but I still had kind of this like plastic kind of like casing around it. And like, that was like right when Trump became president and we were in Germany and this guy's like talking all this shit about Trump. I'm like, dude, why are you talking to me about Trump? I don't give a fuck. And I remember like turning my bandmate, like, I'll use my broken hand as a club to club this motherfucker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they're all much more peaceful and they're like, they can kind of like control me at a certain point. Like, let's go over here. <laughs> Which is really great. Love those guys.
0: (laughs) I love when you mix it up with people like that. One of the funniest things I ever saw. Here, let's let's tell some funny Doug stories here. I saw you guys at a Knitting Factory, and you were opening for somebody, and you jumped off stage, and like as you're casually singing the song, you're at the merch table, thumbing through records like in the boxes as you're singing the song. Wow,
2: (laughs) multi multi talented. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen.
2: We always have a good time, you know. You got to try and make a. You got to try and have a good time. Otherwise, what's the point?
0: And the, the, of course, the classic Doug story, which we've told uh, multiple times on the show. <laughs> there was a show at Palanca Park. Now, this is where uh, I don't know if you remember this, Doug. There was a show at Palanca Park. The Taco Bell you worked at was just up the I, road. <laughs> so you you had like a fifteen minute break. So you you <laughs> drove over to the show. Ran in in your Taco Bell uniform holding a full fountain soda, ran into the pit, spin kicked like three people, and like threw the soda, and then you just casually walked out and went back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Just
1: not... (laughs) Another honest day, man. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite story doesn't even, Doug, I I remember I had to call Doug and be like, yo, you know this girl? I got a job working uh, for like two weeks. They only needed someone for a little while. There was like a main person at this veterinary clinic uh, that needed extra help. And it was basically, I worked in the morning and took the dogs out and I would come back at night after all the veterinary staff left and and took the dogs out. And there was this really pretty girl that work there with me. And I remember coming in the one day and she's like, oh, where do you go to high school? And we're just like chit-chatting. And I was like, she goes, I go to Neshaminy. And I was like, oh, my friend Doug goes to Neshaminy. And she looked at me and she's like, what's his last name? I'm like, "Sablik," And she's like, fucking hate that kid and i was like (laughs) why i was like he's funny as shit and she goes you know he gets out of class early and fucking drives all the way through the parking lot and (laughs) won't let people go around him and holds up traffic for like half an hour (laughs) so people can't leave campus i was like yeah that sounds like him she's like that kid's a fucking dick (laughs) it's like all right well i'm glad i'm getting fucking i'm leaving here in two weeks because apparently you don't like anybody i know
2: (laughs) Well, you know, I've done some fucked up shit, maybe. But that was a good time back in the day. That's true, yeah.
0: So you did hold up traffic in the Neshaminy parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> was there a reason that you did that, or was it just for your pers- own personal enjoyment?
2: For kicks, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about what you're up to now, Doug. Now, of course, the music industry was put on hold by COVID. We all know that. We've talked about it to death. So we're not gonna do that again now. But things are opening back up now. What's going on? Are you writing for ecstatic vision? Do you have any shows coming up? Tell us what's brewing.
2: Yeah, we're gearing up for next year and we're we have a new album. We're kind of finishing up now. We're gonna record it soon and we're going to Europe next summer for a while and then uh do some shows in the fall. We're kinda of gearing for that time frame so we don't have any kind of issues. As far as a uh, pandemic, you know, that's, that's the main thing that's going on. And like, yeah, I got this like other hired gun position playing for this industrial band, which I don't really want to talk about because as far as like, you know, disclosing, because if it doesn't happen, I'd kind of look like a chump, but I think that's going to happen and I'm going to be on the road like a ton next year. So sick.
0: Oh, that's exciting. Is it ministry?
2: <laughs> no, unfortunately <laughs> I do like ministry though, but you know,
0: that's the only industrial band I know, so. Well,
2: shit, you know, yeah. you'll figure it out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if that happens, it's like, you know, I always kind of work to that point where I'm like, oh, I'm getting paid and I'm on the road. And, uh, you know, then it gets to a point where, like, oh, man, I really like my life at home, you know, that I built. Then you're at this kind of crossroads and you're like, well, what do I do, you know? That's kind of where I'm at right now. But I'm totally happy to, like, play some shows.
0: When was the last time you played a show?
2: Um, I think, uh, actually, uh, Black Marks, we were, we did a little tour in February of 2020. Like we went down to Miami. I don't know the point to go to Miami to tour probably cause they want to cook, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we went down there and did that and I was the driver, but, uh, we did that and then that was it. You know,
0: I actually, the last live gig I went to was Plaque Marks in Brooklyn in 2019.
2: What a great night, right? Yeah, that was fun. I mean, that's a very special night for me. I won't disclose why, but what a life-changing night for me. You know, it was cool to see you. I always love that you uh, are a true friend, and we've always kind of reconnected when we come through, you know?
0: Yes, folks, if you don't know, Doug and I used to live together. We lived together from, I would say, 2007 to 2012. That's a long time, so we have a deep connection.
2: We know each other intimately, (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, and we knew each other a long time before that, too, but Doug, describe your experience living with me was it Was it fun? Was it scary? Did you think <laughs> I was going to die at some point i mean i mean i 'm curious to hear about it from an outsider perspective
2: well, I would say that deep down, I think you have a great heart, you know over anything i you are one of the people that i 've kept close to me as far as a true friend, you know and uh and you 're a dependable friend, and uh yeah, as far as living with you, i mean If you were struggling with drugs or whatever, yeah, I mean like be like up for three days and then down on Sunday and then like a mouse for three days, but you kinda always held it together with your job. So that's kind of that's pretty impressive, you know. You're like a superhuman.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think I always said is like we I would watch Keith like do insane amounts of shit and then be like, Well, I gotta work tomorrow. Like, wait, how? (laughs) How would you fucking how would you how are you going to work?
0: That's always the worst thing for me to hear, because when you guys are like, yeah, you were fine, like you went to work, I'm always like, maybe I could still do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you look good now, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I,
0: I don't think many people saw the worst of it. Because, you know, by the end, when things weren't working anymore, I was pretty much just by myself. I kept it all hidden.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the only scary thing is like, there was one time <laughs> when I'm like, you did this little laugh, you're like, Ooh! I'm like, wow, that was fucking creepy, man, you know.
0: <laughs> That's when I knew
2: shit was uh, you know, going off the chains.
0: What laughed?
2: I don't know. I remember it was just like I saw you and you were all fucked up and you're like you're like, I'm just going upstairs. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it was a very telling laugh, you know.
0: That sounds creepy.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm mean, like, I don't know who that guy is.
0: I, I have this memory when we were upstairs, and you asked me to download this song because you were going to cover it for A Life Once Lost or something. So I'm at the computer looking it up and downloading it. And as I'm downloading it, I, like, passed out. Oh, yeah. And, and I remember you being like, Keith, Keith. And I was just like, boom, out.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was a killing joke, right?
0: Yeah. Well,
2: shit, man. I mean, you you seem great now, man.
0: Yeah, it's all good now, you know?
2: I mean, life might be boring now, but...
0: Actually, not at all, because when when you're in that state, it's very, very, very boring. You don't go anywhere, you don't do anything, you watch The Wire for the 40th time, <laughs> and sit on the couch, uh, and that's it. And now, I, I'm involved in shit all the time.
2: I've always been able to just kind of walk the line, and then kind of like, you know... I never went off the deep end, even though, yeah, like, I don't drink liquor anymore, but besides that, I'm like, I've always just kind of partied enough to keep keep the dream alive, you know? So it's kind of done me well, but I'm happy for you.
0: Doug, let's talk more about you. So we've got an Ecstatic Vision album coming out. We're excited about that, yes? We've got some touring next fall for Ecstatic Vision, yes? Yes. You may be joining forces with an unnamed industrial (laughs) band, so we're looking forward to that announcement.
2: I mean, it's happening, but the, the thing is, like, I don't want to say it's happening and it doesn't I look like a dick, you know? No, like,
0: I, I'm surprised you're even saying this much because I'm so paranoid about that stuff. I don't say a word until the ink is on the paper, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I'm, I like, so superstitious with that shit. I'm like, no. I'm an
2: open book, Keith. Yeah. I got nothing to hide. I see I, hopefully. that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I do.
0: So what's going on with Plaque Marks? Now we've spoken to several current and former <laughs> members of the band. We spoke to uh, Mike McGinnis; he's out of the band. We spoke to Pat <laughs> Proxel. I don't. Th- I think he said he wasn't sure what was going on exactly. Doug, tell us what's going on.
2: <laughs> well, shit, I don't know. We had a, a an album done and we were going to put it out, and I scored a deal, and then, you know, Mike bailed. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure, but. uh I am working on a new Plaque Marks album, so maybe the new one will come out before the old one, or maybe the old one never comes out. You know,
0: the debut Plaque Marks LP. You're saying that might never come out, and we might just have another album.
2: I mean, who knows? Yeah, maybe I'm working on one. Yeah, I don't. I don't sleep, man. I, I'm always working on shit, and I love comedy. You know, so as you know, <laughs> cause I used to watch your open my comedies, so.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that wasn't comedy. That was, uh, that was an abomination. That was a man crying for help on stage. <laughs> I laughed. So here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to check out Ecstatic Vision on our streaming platform of choice. We're going to purchase physical copies of the records <laughs> to support our dear friend Doug Savalik here. Well, thank you. We are going to await news of plaque marks if the debut LP will ever see the light <laughs> of day. we will see if uh if the third that's like uh the deftones like they shelved a whole album when the bass player died and they just moved on to the next album it it sounds like that might be happening who knows (laughs) we just don't know and if there is ever in a life once lost reunion it sounds like doug will not be part of that he's busy with other things and it is just not his focus at this time yes
2: that's correct thank you
0: thank you doug
2: <laughs> it's like an official announcement right there jeez talk to my pr guy Yo, is
1: this a press release what the fuck are you reading, are you reading from something he's being a
2: podcaster, man he's just stirring it up you know? <laughs> yeah oh, i got
0: this shit down man i'm just flying off the seat here i'm like a professional broadcaster now
2: yeah are you using me to get you know some kind of clicks or
0: you know? <laughs> no <laughs> you already,
2: already had that man much more popular people than me
0: tommy why don't you talk to doug you always have things to say
2: yeah, let's uh, let's talk about your
1: car. Which one? The oh one I <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what happened?
2: Yo, I totaled this car. Oh, I, let's I hear sh-
1: about this. All right, so I and the fun. Didn't you buy it from me? And then you. Totaled? I was gonna buy it. Oh, that's
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me a good deal. I think it was one hundred and fifty. It was like a, a Ford, uh, Ford Tempo.
1: tempo. Right? It was
2: a gray Ford, Ford. Tempo. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you were going away to school and I was like, I need a car. And you were like, I'll sell it to you for 150. I'm like, well, let me give it a test drive. Right. Or were you just fucking around? You're like, oh, let's let me drive your car.
1: I, I think it might've just been the the latter. I think it was just like, yo, uh, you, you were like, oh, I might need a car. And I was like, here, fucking drive this one. See if you like it. And, uh, you were making that left off of business route one into, uh, the great American diner. And he pulled right in front of a fucking Corvette. Corvette. That, was, <laughs> that was making a right. And here's the thing. Do you remember who it was? Yeah, It was Judge Kelly, Judge right? Judge Kelly. <laughs> and, and the funny part was, is like the police showed up and were like, yo, where's that dude that was in the front seat? Because remember, he had a guy. He ran. In the- that guy he ran. ran the fuck away he ran he away ran. and we were like oh it was like this like young guy like i mean he wasn't like okay he wasn't like a 14 year old but he was like you know like 19 20 year old dude the dude fucking took off we were like where'd he go and they're we like oh he went in- he's the one that went inside to call the police and i was like well he was here he should be talking to the cops too <laughs> Like,
2: yeah it was very very uh strange i don't know and also i think that corvette was going
1: like 120
2: miles an hour dude he's
1: going so fast and i because i I was right behind you and then uh i do you remember (laughs) i don't remember i think it was your volkswagen uh uh the shirak did you have a shirako for a little while i had a rabbit rabbit that's and he would just we would be in traffic we would drive somewhere and we'd drive separately and i'd just be sitting at the light and we would just hit each other's cars (laughs) Just fucking run into each other's bumper. Not hard, but like Uh, that must have been my golf because I wouldn't
2: have fucked with the rabbit. That was my that was my baby. So it's probably the Volkswagen Golf.
1: Doug, you
0: crashed Tommy's car during the test drive.
2: Well, yeah, I was gonna buy his car and I was driving around, and yeah, like I pulled in front of this Corvette and he fucking slammed us at like 120 miles an hour. I I don't know if it was 120, but he was he He was was on
1: so fast, dude.
2: And then like once he hit us. A guy got out of the passenger door and he ran.
0: I wonder what that was all about.
2: And it turned out the driver was the juvenile judge for yeah. Bucks County. Yep. So we were just like two 20 or 18 year olds and like we didn't know shit, but it was weird. It so was what you. was
0: the resolution between you guys in the car?
2: I had beat him for 150, I never bought
1: it. Oh it so was were, what was you gonna do? Fucking buy a total car? <laughs> I would have buy a total car.
0: So you, you crash the car on the test drive and then not give Tommy any money?
1: Dude. Well, why would I buy a total car? <laughs> my insurance covered it, and I think my insurance only went up by like thirty bucks a month or something like that. Because the car was basically worthless. So
0: let's see 30 <laughs> bucks a month times 15 <laughs> years. All right, let's figure it out, oh, Tommy. No.
1: I, I, I I dropped my insurance when I went to college anyway. Boom. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <so laughs> it might have cost me 60 bucks. <laughs> I was about to leave, like that's what I remember. It was like I was about to leave and I was moving into the dorms and there was no parking space. I couldn't get a I like I couldn't have a car when I was I did there. him
2: a favor, man.
1: Yeah. Doug, I have a I have a question
0: for you that I, that I just remembered. Now, for as long as I've known you, for as long as I can remember, you've been involved with music, you've been playing music, this was your thing. Was there ever a point in your life where you felt like you wanted to do something else?
2: No, I don't think so. But uh, I realized that I could have done a lot of other things, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, buying this house and and rebuilding it pretty much. I'm like, oh, I could have just been a construction worker, really. I mean, I don't know. You can do anything, really, but... You just kind of follow your dreams. But the thing about following your dreams with music is, like, it's a long, hard road, and there's no real light at the end of the tunnel. Because, I mean, even if you get in a really successful band, there's really a shelf life, you know what I mean? And then it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to do nostalgia tours. I'm like, oh, really? You want to be a 40-year-old guy playing nostalgia tours? I mean, that's not something I would ever want to be involved with because it's just not – I don't know. I guess the money would have to be really cool, but, you know, who wants to do that? I mean, at 40, I feel like that's when a guy just kind of hits his kind of, you're like a fine wine, man, you know? At 40, you're like, you're killing it. Like, my life is, I mean, so far, my life is great. I mean, I don't know, but it only gets better.
1: Yeah, and I I actually was, this just brought up my thought with this. I remember there was a point in time where you were at uh, Penn State, and I remember you were going to get an internship at my mom's work. Do you remember that? I remember maybe asking around. I remember I think you were asking my mom about like getting a job. And I was like, dude, don't do that job.
2: Well, yeah, I was in I was in school in school for psychology. It's like, what job am I going to get with a psychology, a bachelor's in psychology? It's like some worthless job that like sucks. I mean, I mean, I'm not talking smack about that. If that's what you have and you're working that job, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? But I don't really want to work like at a senior home or whatever. You know what I mean? I think that's good if you have that in your heart. You really want to help people, you know? I mean, I like helping people, but I didn't want to do that job.
1: You didn't want to make a living doing it. I just, I wouldn't want
2: to do it. I'd rather work at a bar and drink. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've had a great time, so.
0: Well, Doug, we've had a great time, too. And listen, we want to thank you for finally coming on the show it was really fun talking to you. It's always good to see you. It's always good to hear from you. So I just want to say thanks.
2: Well, thank you guys for doing it, man. I'm sure people really appreciate it, and you guys rock.
1: Thanks, brother.
0: There you have it, folks. Doug Sabolik. He's seen it all, he's done it all, and we heard about it all. That was a good conversation. And yeah, I mean, what can you say? He's just a really good friend. I've known him for a long time. I lived with him for a long time. Always a pleasure to see him. He's been a part of a lot of great music over the years, and uh, I'm glad that we finally got him on the show. We have put together another piece of the puzzle of the Northeast, Tommy. I know the Northeast is not our sole focus anymore. However... Doug is a key interview in that process, and we got it done.
1: And like you said, like the seemingly like the ultra local stuff that we put on here seems to get a lot of the uh, people that are listening to like kind of interact a lot more with the show.
0: Yes. You see, as we expand our ever-growing fan base and move into bigger and better. All right, I'm done. I don't want to go into like the, the marketing spiel. The spiel. Yeah. So thank you, Doug. Thank you for that speaking awesome. with us. Yeah. It's good times. So what's up with you, man? You gonna come to Furnace Fest with me? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. I I actually am kind of like thinking like who can I con into going with me on Thursday night to go see All Else Failed in Jersey. Is that this Thursday? It, uh next Thursday, the twenty third, I believe. Ooh, so you're going. I'm trying to I I I'm in the boat with you though. I don't want to go by myself. Here's the question. If you can't
0: find somebody to go with you, will you go?
1: No, I won't. Yeah.
0: I don't. understand. I understand.
1: Especially it being like a school night, like Yeah. I I I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot in my head that's kind of like no. <laughs> like, yeah. But you know, I knowing those guys and talking to them so much with like with especially with the show, like they will be around again. This is not something they're giving up anytime soon. This isn't the last opportunity I'm gonna have to see all else failed. So I would love to go, but I my my real option is I'm gonna call Gary and see what happens. <laughs> like that's my go to. Like I'm gonna call Gary and see if he wants to go. That's it.
0: Yeah, I, I if I were in your situation, I would go. I know them well enough that I could go to the show and feel comfortable, but I would not go nuts if it was just me.
1: Yeah. I think I would feel weird. I think that's also kind of the reason you go to All Else Failed. (laughs) It's like, it's to be with your friends and, you know, relive those kind of moments and have fun with it and and have a great time and scream along with them. And uh, by myself, I don't think I would be nearly as enthusiastic.
0: Well, Tommy, I hope that Gary goes with you. And if he doesn't, we will have another opportunity to see them, I'm sure.
1: That's what I, That's the other thing I was saying was like, I know that they're not giving up on this thing anytime soon. So it's not going to be my last chance. But I, do, I you know, anytime they, they play locally or even anywhere near me within an hour or two, I, I, I do like to joke, see them. Well, I was going to say, I saw uh, <laughs> this kind of goes along in lines with the YouTube thing that you do with the YouTube comments. Yes. So my cousin tagged me in something today on Facebook, and I it made me cry so hard by like by myself on the way home from work. I what was it? So it's a video of this uh, girl talking about how much she loved the movie Princess Bride with Mandy Patamkin. You know, the, yeah, and, and you know Montoya, right? and talking about how uh you know her father had just recently died from a specific type of blood cancer that the name escapes me right now um and somehow they do like a split screen it's her talking and the other side of the screen is Mandy Potamkin and his wife sitting there watching the video crying and the sto- the story goes uh when he does that whole thing where he uh confronts the six-handed man you know at the end like the, with that sword fight and he's like You know, you killed my father, now prepare to die, that kind of thing, right? Uh, The story goes is that Mandy Patamkin's father had just recently passed from cancer, and he was kind of like walking the grounds and like, you know, thinking about how he was going to play this scene. And he thought, you know, I'm going to pretend that this person that I'm about to fight is legitimately cancer, and I'm telling the cancer that killed my father, I'm going to kill you and therefore in a, you know enact my revenge on something that's you know inanimate and not something i can actually do but uh, this person could be a proxy for that and i was just like okay i'm dying <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm like sitting at i'm sitting at a red light in Trivos by myself like <laughs> oh
0: man <laughs> you're watching these videos while you're driving
1: yeah cuz i have that display i got the big display thing on my tummy. Co- that, that's phones?
0: not a good idea you shouldn't well, be doing I was at, that. I was at a red light. Tommy, listen, I need you to do this show. <laughs> if you're driving around watching videos, you're putting yourself at risk.
1: Look, it, it better be, it, it's better than what I used to do, which was look for tapes on the floor while lighting a cigarette and fucking making a left-hand turn across traffic. <laughs> Not really looking, like, you know, like shit I did when I was 19. But no, this was, a, this was a much more controlled burn. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, I hope so. So, folks, we're going to end with me asking you to support us. And I'm going to keep doing it until we get what we want. All right, so let's go through the checklist. One, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Rate us five stars. We can't handle any less. Our egos are too fragile. Two, Apple Podcast reviews. Leave them. Leave nice ones. We'll read them on the show. Come on, you can do it. Three, Subscribe to us on YouTube. We need more YouTube subscribers. Like the videos. Comment on the videos. That all helps us. Follow us on Twitter. The N E Scene. Follow us on Instagram. The N E Scene. Write to us. We want to hear from more of you. Scene at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We heard from, I heard from some folks today. Oh, here's what we can do, Tommy. I was going to say, if you heard some from some people, read it out. Tyson Parker on Instagram says, yo, you guys seriously make my Mondays and start to the week so much better. You guys rule. I love that. That's, you know, you always hear people say that's why we do this, but that's, that's what I envision. That's why I like podcasts. It's like friends to hang out with and listen to while you're doing whatever you're doing, working, driving, whatever. So the fact that this guy, Tyson, is listening to us and we are a bright spot in the beginning of his week i love that tommy
1: it is really nice and it's nice to think that like somebody's working a job that they may or may not be like super invested in and they're like well at least i can listen to northeast scene this morning adam harris i hear from him a lot he runs that uh furnace
0: fest page on facebook oh okay he said he really liked the episode with ends of sanity check out beloved if you haven't they are reuniting for furnace fest
1: i haven't heard that band have you I got to look it up. There was two bands I added to a playlist, and it, I think one of them was Beloved. It might be. I think one of, th- one of them was definitely Advent. No, it was Advent and Discourse. So no, I have not heard of them.
0: So we're going to check out Beloved. Oh, oh, Tommy, I have a song recommendation for you. Oh, wait, you already heard it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, all right. This is my new favorite song. you ever hear a song, Tommy, and it's like, you feel like this song was written specifically for you? Yeah. All right, here it is. Greet Death. They just—they re- have an album coming out on Death Wish. Death Wish. Yeah. The song is uh, "Greet Death" is the band. The song is called "I Hate Everything." This is an incredible song. I listened to it like ten times in a row that day. What do you have to say about that?
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna play. I thought I was waiting for you to play the song, what? and then we were gonna talk. No, about No, we don't do that. I thought you were gonna play it. Okay, Tommy. Uh- I like the song a lot. I didn't have the, like you had like a real visceral reaction to it. I I was like, Oh, it's a great song. But that was kind of like the thing that I wrote back to. He was like, I did not think Deathwish put out anything like this. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Greet death. We love the single.
0: Come on the show immediately. (laughs) It's time. Come on. So there's a song recommendation for you. It's on our Spotify playlist. Ooh, the Northeast scene, 2021. Spotify playlist. We put all of our guests. We put other random stuff we like, including "Greet Death." Go there and listen to the playlist. Come on, just do it. Do
1: it. Do it now.
0: Do it now. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. That's all. That's that. Those are all the words that I have for this week.
1: Okay. I I, I want to make a suggestion for a clip that I want you to have ready. I'm ready. It's from Clockwork Orange. Yes. And whenever you say the don't leave less than five stars. Yes. I want the old man that tricks Alex into coming into the house. And he's like, do you want some food? And he's like, no, my health won't allow it. (laughs) (laughs) I I just want that when you're like, leave us five stars, please. No, my health won't allow it. I would love (laughs) that. That would make my fucking.
0: (laughs) I'm going to pull that for you. Well, that's it. Another episode of the Northeast scene in the books. We hope you enjoyed it.
1: I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it, Tommy? Oh, I had a great time. I love talking to Doug though. Yeah, he's the best. He is fucking best. <laughs> he fucking <laughs> rules, dude. He's so much fun. And it, like, you can't. I know. I know we hit this a lot, but like, he legitimately is one of the most genuine, nice, loyal people out there. Like, I he really I, is. I've known. I've met Doug. I think when I was fifteen years old. And every time we get back together, it's like no time has passed. Like, it's, it's an immediate, like, back to fucking, let let's talk shit and have fun.
0: Yeah, he's one of those really old, good friends where you just feel completely at ease. And yeah. there isn't too many of those.
1: No, not anymore.
0: Well, that's it. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another new guest. Huh? I'm going to tease you a bit. I'm going to tease you a bit and tell you that we have another new exclusive guest next week. You can keep guessing who it is until the episode posts, I guess. Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> one day. One day, Tommy. All right, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next time. Yeah!